Welcome back to Debating Metal. I'm your host, Kenneth Dean, the Dean of Metal, and I'm joined by my co-host, Chris Kay. Today, we're bringing you another head-to-head episode, and we're going all the way back to 1984 with Queensryche, The Warning vs. Rage for Order. It's the Progressive Metal Act's first and second full-length albums, and they are classics. We're going to compare the albums from the beginning of Queensryche's career to see which one comes out on top. At the end of our debate, we'll give you our big four Queensryche songs, so stick around until the end to hear which songs we chose. And don't forget to download our last episode where we chose our big four live albums by Iron Maiden. And as always, I'll have some rusty metal for you, and Chris has a new freshly forged pick for you. In case you want to know, Rusty Metal is where I go back at least 25 years and pull out an album from my personal archives that I think is worth giving another listen to. And Chris offers up his opinion on a newly released album he thinks you're going to like. And recapping last week's episode real quick, we went head-to-head with Iron Maiden's Somewhere in Time versus Seventh Son of a Seventh Son. So if you missed it or any of our previous episodes, click subscribe or follow wherever you listen to podcasts and get our latest episode every Friday so you don't miss a thing. We also want to interact with you guys and read your opinions, so if you like what we had to say or just want to rip us a new one, send us an email to debatingmetal at gmail.com or DM us on our Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. We'll also be uploading our episodes to YouTube in the near future, so check us out there. And while you're on our social media pages, be sure to check out Kenneth Dean with Rusty Metal Plus, where he gives some more details about his Rusty Metal Pick of the Week. So Kenneth, what is Rusty Metal this week? All right, this week's Rusty Metal, uh, we're going to basically keep with the topic of tonight, which is Queensryche, and we're going to go all the way back to 1983 to the first release by Queensryche, the Queensryche EP. It was released on 206 Records. It was later reissued by EMI Records. It was produced by Queensryche, and it was recorded at Triad Studios in Seattle, Washington. The EP contains four songs, Queen of the Reich, Night Rider, Blinded, and The Lady Wore Black. Now, what's really cool about The Lady Wore Black is that is the first song that Jeff Tate contributed lyrics to for the band. Uh, in all actuality, Jeff Tate was not a part of the band at the time of the recording of the EP. He was basically, I don't know if you want to call it on loan, but it was something he, they were trying to get him to be the lead singer of the band, but he didn't really particularly like the fact that they were a covers band up until the point where they decided to change their name from The Mob to Queensryche, and they started working on originals. And so then uh, after they recorded the EP and the songs basically were, you know, became popular and it was a hit and it was in, an international hit, the, the album, you know, for, for being a, a demo slash independent EP, it got a big write-up in Kerrang! magazine, and basically the album took off from there, sold several thousand copies, and that's how EMI picked them up, reissued the record, and then from there, Queensryche took off. So Jeff Tate wasn't originally uh, the singer, and so when they, when the EP took off, he agreed to join the band, and that's how Jeff Tate became the singer of Queensryche. Um, and this album was really cool with the front cover, uh, is that even though Rage for Order is considered to be the first album to contain the Tri-Rike logo, if you look carefully on the back of the of the 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 EP, uh, the back cover, I, I don't know how it is on the CD. I'm ta- I'm talking specifically in the vinyl. 
underneath their their name, which has that really really cool uh, logo on it, there's a really uh, kind of like a hand drawn version of what would eventually become the Tririke logo. It's it's very crude looking, but it's still very cool. So that is the actual first appearance of the Tririke logo. Anyhow, this EP. I believe has gone platinum or gold since that time, and it is it is basically uh, a classic, a legend, you know, whatever it want to be. You can still pick it up nowadays um, as as a CD. I don't believe it's been reissued on vinyl, but I may be wrong with that. Um, you can obviously stream it. So go ahead and give it a, a spin, give it a listen, and you won't be disappointed. All right, well, that's a good one. Um, I, I too really like that uh, that EP. Uh, it really shows off the early kind of more metal sound of the band, and I, I do like that about it. You know, they would shift more into progressive rock later on, but, um, I mean, Jeff Tate has a really killer voice at that stage in his career, and, and I, I mean, it's it's awesome. So, good choice. All right, so for Freshly Forged, I'm also kind of staying in the lane of Queensryche. Uh, Todd LaTorre just released his first solo album, Rejoice in the Suffering. Uh, to me, this proves that he's just not reliant on his Queensryche brothers, but can really put out some amazing music on his own. Uh, Todd handles not just the vocals, but drums and production as well. This is mostly a two-man effort, as Craig Blackwell, a childhood friend, is uh, really a surprise. Just a very talented uh, guitarist, and uh, he does keyboards as well. So they both handle the production, and it, I, I was I was just shocked. Um, Todd really shows off some dynamic vocals, even more than what he's done in the last few Queensryche albums. Um, there's some really harsh lows and some incredible, uh, like Rob Halford-esque highs. Like he even sings a bit like he does on Painkiller, which you mentioned to me. Um, and but I heard it more so listening to the album. Um, he even rolls his R's kind of like Rob does on some of the Painkiller songs. Um, the standouts to me are Pretenders, Darkened Majesty, uh, especially the solo on that track, and the title track, which uh, Jordan Ziff actually steps into play the solo on that one. And it really, like, one of the things that's really cool is the solo is kind of long, but it also fades back into the song by adding the second guitar and doing some harmonies on it. And I just thought it was really standout. So definitely check that one out. It's uh, it's a really good album. And if you're a fan of what Queensryche's doing now, um, that you'll be pleasantly surprised. You'll really enjoy it. And if you if you haven't really given Todd a chance... Uh, definitely do because he is doing a stellar job with Queensryche and the band is very happy with this lineup. So uh, make sure to give them a chance. Yeah, I I really dig this album. So this is one of the few um, freshly forged that I actually got in ahead of you uh, to listen to. And it, it's really cool. And I, I listened to it because Todd was featured on Eddie Trunk's podcast uh, a week or so ago or maybe two weeks ago, and it is really, the conversation they had was really good, and and the album is really good. I, I mean, I, Eddie had mentioned something about it sounding like a little bit like Accept, a little bit like Judas Priest Painkiller, and I'm like, that's a, a lot to live up to. And damn it if it didn't sound a lot like Painkiller to me in, in, in some cases. 
So yeah, pick yeah. It up. I mean, it, it's not identical by any means, but you can see those influences. But you can see like there's just so much more. He's he's such a dynamic singer and very talented, and the stuff that would be difficult to a lot of other singers, like he's so much ease with. Oh yeah, I mean it's funny because you know when he joined Queensrÿche, you know they asked him, hey, what song do you want to warm up to? And he turned around and said, well, let's start with Queen of the Reich. And the band looked at themselves going, really? You're going to start with that song? And he actually said that stuff he was doing way before he was in Queensryche, but he had he was doing that kind of vocals, uh, especially with Crimson Glory. And he, it, it's it's kind of weird. He says that he was actually singing higher pitched in, Crim- in Crimson Glory than he does with Queensryche. And that shows on this new album. He he has a higher pitch that he could definitely reach and, and it sings comfortable in. So it's pretty pretty crazy to think about. But then again, he has, even though he's been singing for a while, he hasn't been, uh, what I would say, abusing his voice as as long as many other singers you know have you know he's in his 40s but he's probably only been abusing his voice maybe for 10 years 15 years or so tops he was more of a drummer and guitar player growing up so that's true so good for him it's a good album check it out buy it download it stream it do whatever you got to do <laughs> all right well, that brings us to our main topic tonight. And as you can tell, we're on a Queensryche kick tonight. Um, tonight, it is The Warning versus Rage for Order, their first and second album, like I mentioned earlier. Um, the Warning came out in 1984. It was recorded at Angel Recording Studios, Audio International, Abbey Road Studios, and Mayfair Recording Studios, all in London, United, uh, UK, London, England. Uh, It was produced by James Guthrie, and the album was inspired by a lot of world events, as well as the George Orwell book, 1984. In the end, the band was dissatisfied with the mix as they were over budget, and the record company basically took the album out of their hands, gave it to someone to mix, and said, here, do this, get it over with, and let's get it printed and go. The band had nothing to do with the mix. They were they were not happy, and and they were completely basically pissed off about the whole thing that they had no involvement. Um, personally, I don't have a problem with the mix. It's not that bad. I can see where the guitars are are kind of almost buried to some degree in the mix, but at the same time, it's your first album, you know, and you know you can't complain because it's fairly decent recording. So, but. Um, one thing that's really cool with Queensryche is that Chris DeGarmo and Michael Wilton do play a lot of solos together. That is one of their, their kind of, um, signature moves that they, they play harmony guitar solos. So it's pretty cool. Very similar to how Striper, uh, doubles on their guitar solos. So it's hard to hear sometimes. And sometimes it's just one or the other, but there is a lot of times where the two of them are playing together. So anyway, let's get this started. Song number one on side one. The, or actually, it's just called Warning. Um, I, I, it's a pretty cool song. It's a mid-tempo rocker to me. It, it builds off of the EP. You immediately get this sense of maturity and professionalism. That it, it's like a you know leaps and bounds from the from the EP and how the EP was a, was relatively a demo. 
instantaneously, this is the kind of song that grabs me because, you know, I, I, I saw or I heard, you know, I saw the video, I heard Queen of the Reich, I've heard Lady Wore Black, and I hear this song and, it, and it, you know, the vocals continue on that, that same path, I guess you could say, where, you know, it's the high pitch, there's some screams, but the musicianship is so good behind it. What do you have to say about the warning or warning? Um, one thing I, I had to note here was that you immediately can tell that each member of the band is very skilled. And that's not always the case with a lot of musicians. I mean, you or, or bands, you can hear, you know, there's a standout drummer, there's a standout guitarist, etc. Uh, but in this case, it's like everybody is working in tandem and is very talented. Um, one thing is like I, the solo, I think, is 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 decent. But what really stands out to me in this song is there's there's a point where the second guitar joins during the 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 riff at the beginning, and and it's like that's it's the part I kept going back to to, to listen to. I really liked it. It's a good solid opener, uh, but I think there's definitely better stuff on the album. Absolutely, I mean exactly what you're saying that's the same sense that i got there was you know you, you first get drawn in by jeff's vocals and you can tell that this guy is you know is is a top of the notch vocalist but then you do realize that you hear the technical proficiency with the with the other four guys and you know scott rockenfield's drumming is just you know superb mm-hmm. but it you know, knowing that you you hear the technicality behind the guitar solos, there was they weren't playing anything super difficult, I guess you could say. But at the same time, you can tell right off the bat that these guys are skilled. I mean, I put down here that everyone in the band is a virtuoso. I mean, that's all five of them. Yeah, I would know? I would agree with that. So yeah, so it's it's incredible. So the song, you know, it it's. Again, like you said, it it there are better songs in the album, but it it's definitely one that kind of sucks you in if you if you've got any inclination of the EP, then this definitely is like wow, this is awesome. This it continues, and to continue from there, the second song and Force, that is a, a, to me a really cool song. Um, it takes current events from the time, and you you write a generalized song about all those those events that are going on and, and there's nothing that stands out in particular that you, you can't sit there and say oh it's about this or it's about that that happened but it, it generalizes everything so well and yet at the same time the lyrics are so unique in, in compared to other rock bands at the time it, that's a really good skill as as songwriters and as lyricists um you know, it, it's it. The song sounds futuristic in some cases. You know, almost otherworldly. You know, which is you know just to kind of do that is another type of skill. You know, again, Scott Rockenfield's drumming is is just top notch. The background vocals on this, you can you get you now get a sense of what their background vocals are going to be like because it's a full band effort, and they, it almost um not the same sound or not the same style as say Def Leppard, but in terms of, of vocal acumen or vocal virtuosity, the five of them together harmonizing sound amazing. Now, I don't know if it's all five of them, maybe it's just three or four or whatever, but um, 
just their background vocals are amazing on this. So, you know, and then the band at times, they sing in a low pitch while Jeff lays up on top with them, you know, with a high pitch wail. So that's a really cool part of the song when it gets to enforce. So that's, there's some really cool things about this song. I really dig it. Yeah. I mean, the way it starts with the bells and the guitar riff, um, it really made me feel like it was, it was conjuring up like images of like a battle or something like that. So there's, there's some kind of struggle going on. Uh, So it's, it, that I always like that about music when it can make you just kind of picture something in your head. Um, I, I really enjoyed the track, but there was a couple moments that I felt were kind of cheesy, like when they're saying Enforcer. It just, it just, some, something about it just made me feel like it was a little cheesy. Not that that's a bad thing, because I love, like, Iron Maiden cheese and, you know, same with Judas Priest, some of the stuff. Um, uh, but the guitars are just really playing well off of each other um i the one thing you mentioned at the beginning was that they were unhappy with the mix um in this track i would agree whereas most of the time i'm i'm on board with the mix uh throughout the album but i do feel like there's a couple times in this song where jeff tate like releases like an air raid kind of uh yell it like in the song and it's really understated and it feels like it should have been pushed to the front. Um, there is, um, towards the three-minute mark, there's a callback to the beginning of the song where it kind of takes things back to that that bell and the, the, the slower pace of it. And the outro just makes it, like, it ties in so well. So it's a really good track. There's just, like, one or two little tiny nitpicks that I think production-wise could have helped it. Yeah, I, I get what you're saying on that. You know, it, the thing I like about the chorus is how the, you know, what you're saying is cheesy. You also got to think about it, 1984, you know, heavy metal at that time. That's the way it was. Oh, yeah, for and sure. But so, I'm listening you know, to it now as, as a new <laughs> exactly. fan, you know. All these years later. Yeah. And it's funny because, you know, the band goes, Enforcer. And right as they're going with the Enforcer, that's when Jeff comes in, comes across with that really high-pitched wail. And it, it, it blends seamlessly. It could have been done a little bit better in the mix where he the, the, the whale takes off. Yeah. I agree with you there. So that but but you know, that's again, like you said, a nitpick. And I, I do like how the song kind of just stops and then changes gears and does that slow, solemn march to the end. It's it that that is pretty cool. So that brings us to song number three, and that is deliverance. Um, Deliverance is a pretty straightforward song. Um, you know, it's it it again. It's got Jeff Tate's vocals on full display. The harmony backgrounds are spot on. Um, you know, it, like I said, it's just a straightforward rocker. I mean, I don't know. I, I I'm not as technically deep as you are when it comes to describing songs. So I, I'll let you put a few nitpicks in it. All right. So I I think that like this one just kind of keeps the pace moving along with you know from enforce it's uh so i mean this album pretty or stays pretty quick paced through most of the album there's a couple ballads that break up the tempo uh there's some really interesting stuff that's coming up but um 
for the most part, it, it just kind of keeps that quick pace. The only time it really slows down is with the chorus of the song. Um, but one thing that I really like about this song is the the, the solo. The it, I think it has one of the strongest metal solos on the album. You know, there's a lot of guitar, there's just some acoustic stuff. Um, but this is this is like the best metal solo on the album. Very nice. I like it. I, I mean, again. This is, you know, if I haven't said it before, I didn't mention it tonight, but the the this album is one of my favorite Queensryche albums, if not my favorite. And it's it's so cool to to go back and and, and kind of pick it apart a little bit as as we're doing tonight. And so just listening to the songs over again and and he- hearing the album front to back like I did a couple times it, it just brings back so many cool memories of listening to it back when I was a kid. I love this album, and Deliverance is one of the songs that I really, really like on this album. But slowing it down, song number four, okay, No Sanctuary, there's so much emotion in that song. I love the melody. I love the catchy chorus. Um, it, it's just, even though it slows the pace down, I think it's necessary at this point to slow it down because you came out with these three, you know, actually it wasn't even quick. So the first song wasn't super quick, but then they got quicker all the way up. Yeah. To they deliverance. It built so up this, and built up. Yeah. Right. And it sort of brings it down to, and again, to me, it, it, it's such a, you know, catchy song and, but it's so emotional and there's a lot of feel on this song and, and you can see, you can, or not see, but you can hear Jeff's range, vocal range. And how good it is. So I I like the song too, even though it's a slow song. But it's it's you know, not necessarily one of my favorites. But it's it's still a very good song on this album. Yeah, what it does differently than a lot of the other tracks is Jeff Tate's dynamic vocals really carry the melody of the song. So there is there everyone is working as background music to the the melody, which is actually carried by Jeff. And that's what's really interesting about this track. It's a good ballad. I, I, I like it. Cool. All right. So that brings us to the next song, NM156, which is basically bringing the, the, the tempo back. and, and But it's, slow, it's a slow intro. And it's kind of, again, space-agey sounding, futuristic sounding. But then when you think, when you read the lyrics or you hear the, the way it's presented, it's very space age techno- technological sounding and all that stuff. This is one of my favorite Queensryche songs ever. Um, you know, it's it's a song about technology gone awry. And the really cool thing about this song has nothing to do with the band right now. Well, it has nothing to do with Jeff Tate. Todd Latore, upon joining the band, had them put this song back in the set list. Thank you, Todd Latore. I love you. <laughs> okay? Because to hear this live is such a cool thing. And they do the the whole thing about it with the with the electronic sounding vocals, uh, with the grunting, with the you know, and, and the whole band joining it. I mean, and Todd being able to hit the highs and hit the lows. It's it's spot on. It's amazing. It's awesome. So I love this song in general, and I love it even more now because they play it. Yeah, there's some really interesting digital effects uh, and just amazing timing. The rhythm 
is, the rhythm work in general is just phenomenal. There's this kind of offbeat nature of that really sets it apart from the rest of the album, but it still ties in. It still feels like, you know, it fits the vibe of the album. Um, but it is a standout track for sure. Um, the chorus and the solos are really solid. Uh, I would say it's one of the best tracks on the album. Fair enough. I like that. Okay, so now we flip the disc over. Uh, if you've got a vinyl LP, otherwise you hit you you go to the next track on the CD. <laughs> or if you've still or got the, the cassette, on your, <laughs> if you still got a cassette, then you're you're flipping it out and undoing everything. Oh, speaking of the cassette. Um, Todd Latore released his new album, Rejoice in the Suffering, on cassette. <laughs> That's just nuts. It's weird. But so cool. Anyway. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean it's a cool collector's item. Sort of like how I have that reissue of Metallica's um No Life to Leather demo on cassette. It it's a cassette. I haven't opened it. I'm never going to open it. I got the MP3s and I'll listen to it that way. Anyway, side two starts off with Take Hold of the Flame. I, to me, this is one of Queensryche's best songs ever, hands down, in my opinion. Um, there's so much to this song that I love with the slow intro and and just the, the building of the emotion. It's an uplifting song. It's a song of hope. And it is just, it's an incredible song. And it, it gives you that feeling and it makes you have that hope and that that feeling of of uh, it's it's so hard to describe for me because it, it makes me feel so good when I hear this song especially when I hear it live and it's just so awesome and the you know with the band with the low the low background vocals you know not grunting but you know just coming in take hold you know that that and then Jeff coming in with the upper the upper level you know, octave higher than the rest of the band or even two octaves higher if you want to look at it that way. And then just the words are so inspiring. It's it's just a really cool song, you know. What do you think? Uh, from the beginning, it, it almost feels like we're in, to, in for another ballad, but it's so much mm-hmm. more. It's not a ballad. You know, it, 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 it just builds and builds from that beginning point. There's a ton of emotion, like you said, just poured into the intro. Um then it just erupts into a powerful guitar riff and scream and accompanied by that chanting in the background, like you said, with the take hold. Um, it's just awesome. Um, this also to me just holds as one of the best tracks on the album. And, and we have to note also that it's the second single from the album. Yes, it is the second single from the album. So that brings us to then what I, where are we going to go? <clears throat> the, the, basically the, the latter part of the album um before the storm so so before the storm child of fire rosemary these last three songs okay for me were the joke that we always have where i never get past the first three songs well in this particular case i never got past the first song on side two i listened to the first side but take hold of the flame was so good i was like i had to keep playing it over and over again i could pick up the needle bring it back pick up the needle bring it back so before the storm was one of these songs that if I forgot to 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 pick up the needle or forgot to get up off the bed to to go change the song, I would listen to. It's a good song. Um, it's, it's 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 something about 
you know, where you don't listen to these songs very often, but then when you come back to it years later and you go, oh, crap, I missed this song. This is a good song. Um, and that's the way the second half of the album, you know, runs for me. So before the song, is, is, to me, is a song about impending nuclear war, especially when you read the lyrics a little bit. Um, and it, it's it, it's just really, it's a kind of a dark song, at the same time, you can see that there's something going on and it's going to lead to something else. But it is it is one of these songs. It's not the best song on the album, but it's a good song. Um, what do you think? To me, it's it's like the first dip in quality from from the the tracks that we've heard before. To me, there's nothing that's particularly memorable. It's not a bad song. Uh, it just doesn't stand out. Um before the storm chanting it it's it's kind of unique it's interesting um but i i don't know it just for me this this was like it, like i said it's not a bad song it just the rest of them all stood out so much to me that you can tell like such a difference between uh anything that came before and this track exactly and you're thinking you're you're six songs into the album at this point right so, or seven, this is song number seven on the album. Did I say six before? Song number seven. And it's, it, you, you haven't had a bad song yet. So you get to this one, and this is what you would say a good song, an adequate song, but it's nowhere near the level of the other songs that you've already heard. So you, you, you can, I can sense that why there's that dip. Um, yeah, and like I, like you said, the chorus is kind of unique with the way they, they chant before the storm. But it, it, very similar to how Enforce, where they where they have that low chant and then Jeff rides high on top of him, he does the same thing with Before the Storm. He, you know, they're they're chanting Before the Storm, and he comes out with, you know, the the storm. I don't, don't want to do it here because my voice is shot. But he goes into a high pitch from that point, so it's it is unique in that regards. But the song kind of slows down at the end and and really just leads into the next song there's no stop and it's funny because the two songs have nothing to do with each other stylistically lyrically or anything but yet they they are technically one song if you the way you listen to it because there's no there's no gap there's no break child of fire I don't know. I, I was reading the lyrics today, and, and and the way I get this song, it's it's almost like the birth of a new leader after like a, an a pop uh, an apocalyptic event happened, and you know this guy pops up as the new leader, but he's a young kid or something like that, you know. And so it, it's a strange concept on the whole thing. The song itself is pretty good. It's better than to me, better than before the storm but it's still not as good as the rest of the album that we've already heard. Um, so that's what I, that's what I think about the song. Yeah. I mean, I, I agree. It just feels like part two of before the storm. Um, it's the drumming is very similar. The songwriting is, is very similar overall. Um, it, it just doesn't stand out. And what, what I like about this song less than before the storm though, is the solo, the, the solo, this, the solo is really short and it, it, just doesn't feel like it's the right pacing and it slows everything down when it feels like it should pick up. Like it really feels like at that point in the song that there should be going towards a crescendo and it just slows down for some arbitrary reason. 
and and that's this is my least favorite track on the album okay wow okay um all right so that brings us to the last song on the album which is roads to madness now this is a long song um it's a very slow song for six minutes of the song uh, it's a song of reflection it's literally like looking it back at what at what went one went through in their life to get to that point that's the way I you know that's the way I interpret the lyrics and you know the song is slow and reflective as you know as dictated by the words um, but right there at the almost a little bit past the three minute mark or actually three minutes to go so you're already six minutes into the song at this point six and a half really the tempo changes and the song soars it just kicks into high gear you know and it's, it's almost like the, the the person who's been reflective is now on a new journey but the question is is he coming to an end is he trying to get to you know you know the sun and, and explode or whatever you know how it is you know like 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 just coming to the end of your life in this glorious fashion i don't know it it i like the last 3 minutes more than i like the first 6 but at the same time, it's one of those things where you got to get through the first six to get to this really cool part at the end. Um, so is it worth it? If you're into that kind of song, if you're into that kind of music, then it is worth it. Because it's not bad, but it is very methodically paced and slow to get there. Yeah, I really like this track. Um, it, you know, it's a 10-minute song, but it has, like you said, it has a slow build. Um, but and, and, and when you say it's slow... I think it's really important to notice that it's a or, or note that it's a build because you can hear mm-hmm. as it's going their pacing stays very similar but the the it's almost like there's an urgency behind the, the music you hear it, it increasing a little bit in volume you hear certain aspects of it increasing in pace while maintaining the same time signature so there's there's a really intricate aspect to those that that build at the beginning and you like you said there's there's kind of a story going on of this this person's journey and i think that's really cool so it's building sort towards some great crescendo and then you hit the 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 like basically the three-quarter mark of the song and you hear like it it goes to a really slow um kind of uh I, i like a valley i guess in the whole um spectrum of things and then all of a sudden like you said it just takes off and you're you're in for like the fastest part like the 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 really quickly paced you know i guess race to the finish line in a way so right exactly yeah it's got some really cool ebbs and flows there's a it's got a really nice payoff where you know it just it it's taking you on this journey that just builds up and builds up and builds up and then actually takes you to like the, the finish line. It's all, it, I think it's a really well-crafted song. It is. It is a well-crafted song. And, and, and I wasn't, if I, if I made it sound negative, cause there are people who are not going to get through the six, the first six minutes. Oh, absolutely. You know? There's, there's so, a, a group of the fan base that's not going to go through a 10 minute track. Exactly. So, you know, it's one of those things if you, if you, can if you can get through that part it's it, you know there is a payoff at the end but it is a good song and it does it, it like you said it does kind of build all the way through and there's more and more added to it so it's a layered song so yeah so there is something that kind of makes you kind of go along with the journey you know you're going down the river and, and are you you know you're getting to that point 
So yeah, so that is it is a cool song. I do like it, but you know when you're at the end of the album and you're at six minutes and you're like, come on, come on, come on, come on, you know, then then that's you know if maybe the song if they had done the the uh, the the quick part a little bit sooner, maybe at the five minute mark, it may not have been that way for me at least. But I do like the song. It's just one of these things where it's like I wish it would have been a little shorter. And it probably would have been a little bit more of a, of a fan favorite for me. I think I think bands place these songs at the ends of albums for a specific reason, because not everybody's going to stick around for it. Like so there's some people that are just in it for the catchiest tracks, whereas these are the more artistry tracks that like real fans that that. And I don't mean like real fan. Like you're oh, if you don't get this, you're not a real fan. That's not what I mean. I mean like but like people that really get deep into the albums. They're they're sticking mm-hmm. around to the very end, and they're gonna right. they're gonna be analyzing every track. So there's a reason why they stuck these at the end. It would be it would be foolish to put a ten minute song earlier in the album too. So I, I think it's placed at exactly the right time. It's a it's a great track in my opinion. It's not gonna hit with everybody, but at the same time, like it totally belongs on the album. Agreed, and it's funny you mentioned that you know putting a ten minute song early in the album would 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 wouldn't work. The difference here too is also there. This is a brand new band, exactly. So yeah, they can't they can't do that right off the bat. Yeah, if they're if they're know? ten albums in and they're just you know doing their thing and and you know their fan base is already established, that's a different story. But this right, is a like brand new, made, yeah. You know, you know, dropping fourteen minutes on Power Slave, you know, <laughs> with Ryan Heat Mariner. But Ryan Me and Shaman is such a cool song. So anyway. All right. So that brings us to the end of side two, the end of the end of the album. Um, in my opinion, it's one of the the better Queensryche albums. Again, it's it's probably my favorite Queensryche album overall. Um, it, it I had mentioned it to you today, and I've I've mentioned it before to other people. This is the first CD or one of four first CDs I purchased when I when I bought my first CDs. I bought ACDC's Highway to Hell, ACDC's Back in Black, Guns N' Roses' Lies, and Queensryche's The Warning. And there's a reason why, because this is a damn good album. So what was your summary on the album? All right, so overall, I think it's a great debut album with only a couple missteps at the very end. Um, the, the mix sometimes feels great, while other times it just feels like the vocals should be pushed a little further. But overall, it's I think it's great. There's a lot to like here. Definitely a lot to like. All right, so that brings us to Rage for Order. Uh, came out in 1986. It was about a year and a half later, actually, in the middle of 1986. Uh, on EMI Records, it was recorded in several studios. It was MDH Studio in Bellevue, Washington, Mushroom Studios in Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada, and Yamaha Studios in Glendale, California. It was produced by Neil Kernan and... This album takes the warning and just goes in another, it takes it even farther into that technological sound and that whole science kind of sounding album. And, but yet they also incorporate the lyrics differently as far as they, they bring in a little bit more personal uh, lyrics into this one. But yet, at the same time, there's songs in here about, you know, this, there's, there's social, socio-political themes as well as a lot of artificial intelligence and other technological themes throughout the album. But there's also a lot of personal stuff on this album. 
one of the things that that was very noticeable when this album came out is the 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 look of the band changed dramatically and the band's management had been pushing them to be a little bit more glam so on the cover or on the back cover you'll see them dressed up in these uh trench coats leather trench coats and their hair is all different and stuff like that and i'm gonna i'm going to um let everyone know out there who's listening if you check out when you hear when you download this episode and you check out our facebook page or our instagram page or our twitter page i'm going to post a picture of me when i graduated high school in 1987 so that tells you how old i am okay how one year later from this album how much influence this album had on me and i'm just going to leave it at that so when you guys see the picture i want to read all the comments out there um but anyhow this is the first album to include the tri-rack logo but in actuality it's not there's a real real kind of hand-drawn version of the tri-rack on the queensrike ep but you don't really see it notice it until you really pay attention to it but this album's pretty cool so let's go ahead and uh, i'll have you start this album or you take over this album all right, so like as you said before, lyrical and musical concepts include social, political, and technological themes, including the dangers of AI and governmental control. Uh, the lyrics are only complemented by the staccato rhythms and vocal effects that enhance the robotic sound. There's an emphasis on digital effects, but the album is actually recorded and mixed in analog, which is really interesting to note. Um, so a lot of the tracks were written by Chris DeGarmo and Jeff Tate, with most of the tracks actually be, being written by uh, Chris DeGarmo. All right, so the first track is Walk in the Shadows. Uh, it's a really cool opener and probably my favorite track on the album, uh, maybe tied with Screaming and Digital. Uh, but the riff and the chorus are very catchy. It's the, the album's third single, and the track is played live fairly consistently so you know it's still at this point really important in their career um we immediately hear the production is more slick and less edgy uh, than the previous album and has a really techie sound it it does it, you can you can tell that right away um i this is one of my favorite queensrack songs um as i mentioned i guess it was i mentioned it last week that i considered myself a failed guitar player well, I'm also a failed singer. <laughs> um, I, when I was younger, I really, really wanted to be a singer in a, in a metal band. Uh, and the singers that I looked up to were Jeff Tate and Rob Halford uh, because they, they could just wail. And when I was younger, I could do this song. I can't do it anymore. My voice is too raspy now. But I could pull this off. Now, if, could I pull it off? In, in key all the time? Maybe not, but I could hit those high notes. <laughs> um, this song is really cool. It is one of the, the, the few relationship songs that they have, um, but it is, it is strange how there's, you know, now that they've matured a little bit and they've, they've had a year of touring under their belts and they've gone through relationships as they've gotten older, you can see that personal side start to, you know, invade their lyrics. But at the same time, it's not like the I love you baby kind of songs. You know, it's not like that at all. It is so, you know, it, the intelligence behind their lyrics is is just incredible. And I love that about them. That's one of the things I really, really love about Queensryche, that there's just so much intelligence behind their songs, and especially the lyrics. 
So this song does that and it has incorporates everything it, it you know the killer drumming the, the band the you know the harmony solos the background vocals you know the 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 chanting with with jeff coming up on top with the with the searing whale so it's all there for sure uh the second track is i dream in infrared it's a slower ballad that still shows off the band's dual guitar work while more vocal heavy than the last track uh, Jeff Tate really shows off his dynamic range here, you know, kind of, kind of like some of the, the, the tracks in the, in the last album, like say for instance, uh, no sanctuary. There's a lot of it that's carried by, by his, his, uh, vocals, which is always impressive to me. You know, when it, when a song, a song is usually carried by the guitar work, you know, it's guitar heavy, etc. but, but there's something special about a few of these like early tracks from, from this band because it really does show Je- Jeff Tate is, is a very talented guy. And it, it's kind of sad, like the direction he's gone, in my opinion, um, and that the, the band broke up the way it did, etc. cetera. Uh, but, you know, people change, people develop. It, it It's bound to happen at some point. Um, and this is, this is uh, the shared single, shared second single with The Whisper. I Dream in Infrared is, is a song that is so to me it's very very unique in how it's how it's laid out how how it comes across and even more so if anyone out there you know has spotify or or picks up uh the 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 cd or like a remastered version of cd there is a remix or an acoustic version of the, of this song that makes it even more unique and it's really really cool but Speaking of this version, this version is just is just cool. I mean, like you said, Jeff carries it because of his unique vocal abilities to be able to go down low, to be able to go high. It, it it's it's all there, and it's so emotive. It's very very cool. Um, I I love this song. It was one of these songs. It's just it's a slow song, but it's super cool. You know, it, it's not always super slow or anything like that, but it's also it's just very emotional. Like the only way I could really put it. And so again, another re- relationship song. So you know that there's been some things going on in their personal lives with these, with, with, with all these songs, but again, with intelligent lyrics. So you, you don't get that whole, I love you baby thing. Oh yeah. So the, the third track is the whisper. And what's cool about this is it immediately just breaks out of the, the slow outro. Of I dream in infrared. Um, so you actually hear the song sounds like it doesn't end. It just like busts into the next song, which mm-hmm. is a cool transition. Uh, there are some orchestral keyboards that kind of date the, the song to the 80s, but not not in a bad way because um, it, it, it does, you know, bring you back to that time period and, the, you know, the visions of the future from that time period. Uh, so it's it's a little bit more dated than the last two tracks, but like I said, not in a bad way. So far, all three tracks have very different pacing. The staccato robotic sound is a little more evident here. Uh, and this is the shared second single uh, with I Dream and Infrared. I really like this track. Um, and, and when I say like the pacing is very different, uh, there's, there's a lot of dynamic pacing. Like they, they experiment, they go all over the place, but they always stay within the theme and everything still feels cohesive in that way. Yeah, I, I really like this song a lot. There's a, a ton of complexity to this song. Absolutely. Um, and 
Yeah, and and the chorus in it, in and of itself, there's so much complexity because you got the band literally whispering their parts, where Jeff, along with the, the with the band, are doing a, a second a secondary series of parts that you know they're they're at the higher pitch or a gang vocal. So part of it is you got the band doing a gang vocal together, and then you know Jeff comes out by himself. Along all along, the band is still whispering their lines in the in the background and it's super cool how they pulled this off it's um, very layered yes yeah, very layered. and so it's funny because the song is called the whisper but that's the only reason why because of that that the way the chorus is 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 laid out it's a very unique way that this song is done um and the staccato vert stuff about it is really cool the drumming i mean you could sense the progressiveness on this on this song it really really shows their 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 progressive style so the next track is Gonna Get Close to You, a cover of Elisa Del Ballo song. Um, I'm not familiar with her. I went back and listened to the track. There's a very different tone to it due to it being sung by a man and a woman. Um, the reverse echo effect is prominent on this track. It's really cool. Uh, the bass is simple but pushed heavily to the front. So it's it's kind of just kind of ever-present. It's there. Um there is a decent solo toward the end, which ties it into more of Queen Queensryche sound. But overall, it's just kind of the oddity on the album to me. Uh, it it has a different, definite different feel than the the tracks that were penned by Queensryche themselves. And when sung by a man, it definitely takes a different feel than the original. It's kind of it's kind of real creepy because it's like, you know, this I'm gonna be with you. I'm gonna get close to you. I'm gonna, I, you know, I'm I, I'm there. It just has kind of a creepy vibe to it, you know, which I think was intentional, um, especially in the context of this this uh, you know technological, you know, fear of the of the of the you know machines kind of vibe eighties like almost Terminator esque aspect to this album. Yeah, the whole the whole nineteen eighty four vibe of, of of being able to be seen or somebody's watching you. Mm-hmm. Yes, it, it's funny because I listened to the song today. I said, oh, you know what? Let me check out what this song is. You know, and in in reality, the the Queensryche version doesn't stray too far from the original in terms of structure. No. Um, it, it makes it a lot. You know, Queensryche makes it a lot more atmospheric. But yes, because it's sung by a guy, it is definitely borderline stalker sounding to, to <laughs> which is to an interesting thing to think about, you know, in in mm-hmm. in the, the the mental complex that the difference is a man and a woman singing the song gives it a different vibe. That's that's yeah. just, that's an interesting to think about. Yeah, and then so what I found what I found curious about this is one why they chose to do a cover at this point, two why they chose this cover. You know, there's so many other covers they could have done and to bring up this obscure artist from Canada um, who had a real brief career. You know, and 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 on top of that, this song totally like the original version, which only came out a couple years prior, was totally in the vein of '80s kind of dance electronic music and it's not a dancing song by any means it's it's exactly the way it is when you hear it 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 goes in that same exact pace um but 
the just the electronic sound of it, you know, you could you could imagine her being, you know, uh, doing a song from, you know, uh, was was it Trenier or or um, Sweet Sensation or I forgot what the other band is. This freestyle bands that came out in the eighties, I could totally see this person being part of that. But apparently, as an as an artist, as she grew, she became more alternative indie rock as opposed to you know electronic. So there goes that thought, right? I'm not a fan of this song at all. I, I don't see why it fits in this album. I mean, other than the fact that it's a, it's a stalker relationship type of song, you know, that's the only thing I could think of. But, you know, maybe they were pissed off at a broken relationship to, to say, you know, this is a perfect song. But I think there's a lot of uh, Jeff Tate influence with this song. I I mean, I, I kind of disagree in that it doesn't fit. When I, when I really kind of analyzed it and thought about, like, the... the the overall theme of the album, um, I do feel like it does fit. It's just, it's just kind of an odd song in general. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I can mm-hmm. see why it would be off-putting, especially out of context of the album, because like, this is the first single. So <laughs> I can see why people might be like, what, what is this? You know, yeah, but It was very strange, very strange when I, when I first heard it. I'm like, what is this exactly? Yeah, and and I'm like, I don't, you know, if this is the direction Queensrÿche is going, I'm not liking it. But you buy the record and you slap on "Walk in the Shadows" and then you say, okay, yeah, they didn't, they didn't totally disappoint. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, you have to keep in mind to a, to a degree that this is a concept album, so um, it, it's it's going to have some of that those oddities, I guess, on it, and. For that reason, it does fit, but I, I I can't pick it out and say like this is one that I'm just gonna listen to on the fly. Like in the context of the album, I'm good with it because of because it does fit that vibe of of everything that I said before. You know that that you said the 1984 aspect. You know the mm-hmm. being watched, right. but it is it is an oddity. Uh, but moving on, we're going to track five with the killing words. It immediately starts off keyboard and effects heavy. The album's second ballad. Uh, Jeff Tate's vocals are just flowing with pain and emotion. Uh, as as with I Dream and Infrared, this track is mostly vocally heavy, uh, though the guitars are still pushed forward. Uh, the solo is very nice here and works well with the second guitar rhythm. Uh, I really enjoyed this track. There's just There's just so much emotion flowing in this track yeah i mean jeff definitely expresses himself with the words that he uses and it it, it's it's a counter to the fact that the whole point is he's talking about how words can kill a relationship how words can kill you how words can basically scar you deeply and and you could sense that so it, it is definitely appropriately titled and it is definitely a song that that Jeff is able to communicate that through the words and through the way he expresses those those words. So yeah, it's a it's a cool track. It is a ballad, but it's you know we talk about ballads with Queens like they're very different. They're not your typical like you know poison you know every rose has a thorn ballad. It's not like that at all. No, it's just, no. it's just a slow song with a lot of emotion and a lot of a lot to it. There's so many different layers, like an onion. <laughs> yes. 
And I, I think it's important to, to note that it's, it's not just the, the lyrics that are, are carrying so much emotion. It, it's Jeff's tone also. Mm-hmm. Like his, yeah. his singing quality is just so important to note, note here because he just, he, like you can, even if you didn't understand the words, even if you were just listening to, you know, a, a foreign language, you know, say you, you don't even understand English, you can hear his pain in this song. And that's what's so impressive. All right, so track six is Surgical Strike. Finally, we speed things up again with some more intricate drum work and heavier riffs. Uh, the vocal effect give it a, a more technological feel again, and the chorus is very fast-paced and exciting. Uh, I can see, I can even like see like a Joey era Anthrax doing this song. That's that's how much heavier this song is than what we've had in the in the past few tracks. Uh, the the effects. Uh, the effects heavy solo paired with the orchestrals is just excellent. This this song is super cool. I you know when I was younger and I listened to this album, I never got into the song. But when I listened, when Todd Latore joined Queensrÿche and they played it, and we oh, and I got to see them play it live here in Houston, I totally just was born was reborn on the song. This song is so cool. Um, the the chorus is cool. I mean, it's it's there's so much to like about this song. I mean, I really really dig it, and um, just to, just the way the, the the there's so much technology, I guess you could say, in the, in the song, the way it makes it sound, you know. But and then there's each each core each verse builds into the chorus and comes back and builds into the chorus. I, I like that part of it. Especially, you know, and it's and it's weird because you don't get the sense that this song is about war, or or, a, or about a, you know the first verse being about a sniper, but that's what it is, and it's just, I guess that's the the excellence of of Jeff Tate, and we're giving Jeff Tate a lot of props on on this because Jeff was their singer for thirty years, he was Queensrÿche's face for that long, and he had a lot to do with their success but you know he also had a lot to do with their dismal displaying and 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 songwriting that came out at the end of his career with Queensryche so he is the good and he is the bad of Queensryche up until he was fired from the band so I'm not going to take anything away from him because I was a fan of his and, and the bands for so long until he screwed it all up. You know, oh, that's what I, I would say. So, you know, I like Surgical Strike a lot. Yeah, I, I mean, I can I can definitely uh, agree with that. Um, I, we, there's there's no way you can address this album or, or the early albums in general without noting his contributions to the band. Um, yeah, I mean, just he, he, he's very important to their history, period. And... There's gonna be fans that only care about that part of their history. I I say listen to all of it before you judge because because there's some really great stuff out of the modern era with uh with Todd Latore. But um, at this point in their career, you know he's a different human being. So oh, yeah. I mean yeah. he 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 is who he is at this point, and they are who they are, mm-hmm. and they're a really damn good band at this point. All right, so the next track is Noia Regal. 
uh, which translates from German to uh, to New Order. Uh, this feels like it could be an 80s sci-fi film, uh, like theme song or you know track in there or like at the, in in a soundtrack. Um, it's it just simply conjures images of technology. Tate's vocals are the most heavily modified here, uh, through especially the beginning. Uh, there's a lot of distortion. Um, the drums are extremely punchy, and this is this might be the most experimental and layered track on the album. It's it's really it's really different. It, the song is so unique. Like you said, very tech sounding, very futuristic. I like this song a lot. Um, there's, there is, you know, the the one thing that I can say about Queensryche and especially Jeff is the way he sings, and the emotion he puts behind it, and the inflection that he does, or excuse me, in the inflection he does on on the the words. It, it's they're so they're so unique. Like I was reading the lyrics to some of the songs and and trying to follow the pace. And he he make he the the pronunciation and the way he you know he the inflection that he does on certain words or certain phrasing it's it's so unique and it makes everything so good and I call I've always called this song New Regal um, but that was just me <laughs> um, just to make it to keep it simple and I've always really dug this track it's not one of these ones that i go back to listen to and say oh i gotta hear this again but when i hear it i forget about how good it is and i really really dig this song a lot all right so the next track is chemical youth we are rebellion uh this track is somewhat prophetic when it with the line our religion is technology i mean what what could be more said about our modern society than our religion is technology uh, this is also probably the most positive track on the album with messages like uh, the chant, if we don't stand together, we stand to lose the future. We are the last hope. Uh, it's a very aggressive track in perspective of the whole album and uh, very interesting in general. Much like Take Hold of the Flame, it has that same kind of uplifting type of feeling. But at the same time, unlike Take Hold of the Flame, it, it almost seems like, yes, this song is uplifting, but if you don't take care of, of what you're trying to sing about, or, you know, like you said, if, if you know, if we don't stand together, you know, we, we lose, we can lose certain things. That's the thing that there's a, there's a part of it where you feel you, you're bound to lose it if you don't protect it. Whereas Take Hold of the Flame is much more uplifting than that. But, but yeah, this is, this is a cool song. And I agree with you, it can fit so well into today's political themes that are out there right now. And it to me, it could be, definitely become, you know, if, if, if the band or somebody else wanted to cover this song, it could turn into a war cry for the youth of today to be able to use this song to, to, to keep themselves, you know, or to, to overtake the, the, the people that are basically keeping the youth down right now, which is our older people in government. And so, yeah, so this is definitely very uh, prophetic, as you said, because it, it definitely can fit into today's society. Absolutely. All right. So the next track is London. 
Uh, that's the album's third ballad, and to me, it's it's the least interesting track on the album. Uh, the the lyrical focus is on loneliness. Uh, the solo though is is probably the best on a ballad on the album. Um, I'm not big on this song either. Um, it's probably you know the weakest song, and plus you're 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 getting towards the end of the album, and you have a weaker song. And it, uh, you you almost lose interest at some point because you're coming off a song like New Regal to me where it it's it's such a unique song. You come on, you know, and then you got Chemical Youth and you have all this excitement, and then this thing kind of just throws you for a loop. And you say it's a, it's about loneliness, you know. You're literally going, what the hell happened? You're you know, it, this was so good up until this point. <laughs> You know, and and you kind of it does throw you for a loop. I'm not a big fan of the song either. Yeah, it's it's kind of a it's just there. It's fine. It, you know, it it's the third ballad. It doesn't seem like it's necessary to have three ballads, but you know, it it obviously meant something to the band. You know, some some focus on loneliness in there, but to me, it's it just doesn't really fit the vibe of the rest of the album. Whereas the next track definitely does uh screaming and digital as i said before this is this is one of my favorite tracks on the album um uh, along with walk in the shadows this is the peak moment of the digital vibe on the album the the effects remind me of any number of dystopian technology-based films or books uh it's it's a very layered track with some interesting instrumental work and vocals uh tate has two layers of vocals which are telling two parts of the story. It's so intricate. It really takes multiple listens to really take everything in. And it's a true classic for the band. They play it now and it's so cool to listen to, but you know, in the live setting, it's hard to get all the intricacies, but it's still, it's, they still pull it off really, really well. And, and they do do the altered voices in it. So that's a pretty cool thing too. Um, this was one song that back in 1984, when I, or excuse me, 1986, when I first heard it, I didn't understand it. You know, I wasn't totally into, this was the only band that I was into that was progressive for, for say, I mean, I, although I liked Rush, I wasn't into Rush as much. Like I didn't know a lot of Rush's history. I knew about uh, moving pictures and, and what was it, Grace Under Pressure that came out after that. That's all I kind of really was into, but I wasn't even that into it. This, Queensryche I was into, but this song, I was just like, I was so uninterested. I'd rather throw on Walk in the Shadows again than I did this song. But Newfound Respect, when I've heard it, when I heard Todd do it, I mean, they did a lot of songs off this album. Walk in the Shadows, Surgical Strike, uh, They've done screaming in digital. They did. They've done the whisper. Um, so and they've done killing words. I mean, I've seen them five times here in Houston, and each of those times they've done different songs from this album. So it tells you, and they've played screaming in digital. I think was they played it. I'm not sure if they played it at the show we went to or not, but I know they played it in the show before that. So it is. It is definitely a song that I have a lot a newfound respect for. Oh, for sure, and. The final track is I Will Remember. 
It's the final ballad of the album and the closer. This excellently ties up the themes and has a very introspective look back on where the world is now and where or how it it got here. Um, very similar to Silent Lucidity, a future track that was also written by Chris DeGarmo. Uh, the acoustic guitar aids the lyrical themes here so well and has a really dreamlike quality. Um, I, I think it's just a really well-written track. It, it's, to me, it's often odd to end an album on a ballad, uh, but this is, this is really well done, especially in the context of a concept album that's, that's carrying a theme all the way through. I, I like I will remember and it's one of those things that I the 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 chorus or the line I will remember I oddly enough I remember that a lot um it's one that comes to mind very often for me and so although I don't listen to the song that often it is it's really cool it it does tie things up um it's funny you mentioned that you know the the, the bands don't typically end on slow songs so, you know, years later, this band out of Seattle, not named Queensryche, named Pearl Jam, would actually um, structure their career. And I want to I say career by opening concerts with a ballad and even sometimes closing concerts with a ballad. And that is such a weird thing to do. But they would do that. And so, so when, it, when you think about that, this doesn't seem so odd to me because I've grew up with this, but at the same time, it is very strange to end an, a, a song or excuse me, an, end an album on a slow song, especially one as reflective and as quiet as this one. So, but it's still, it's an excellent song. I, I agree with you. This is better than the other ballad, you know, better than London. Although I, ha- I have to say, I, I dream in infrared, which is a little bit quicker than the song, is 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 one is the other good ballad on the album. Oh yeah, yeah, I definitely like both of them, uh, but <laughs> they definitely way outclass London. <laughs> <laughs> yes. All right, so overall, this is a great album with a consistent theme, though sometimes musically inconsistent. But I think that's that's to its its credit in a way, um, because there is so much diversity, yet it ties in really well together and does feel uh consistent in that way the technology used to emphasize the lyrical themes is just excellent and the band showed off their skill and growth uh from the last album the production like i said is is better um the this is the beginning of queensrack's really conceptual approach to writing uh, which would be carried on and really i think mastered in operation mind crime uh but uh to me this is one of their peak albums in in the jeff tate era uh it's it it's still got that a bit of rawness to it but slicker production and i think this being uh really based around this specific content really holds well for me i i'm like say i like this album it did it's one of their better albums, like for sure. Um, it was so different for me back in the day that it, it I, I could only listen to certain things on it because it was so different. And because also when you're when you're listening, like if you're hanging out with friends and you get your little boombox on, you say, hey, let's throw in some Queensryche to go up and down 
the way they do from slow song to, to, to technical song to these this atmospheric song to this fast song. It the album kind of just so all over the place. It's structured that way for a reason. I'm not I'm not I'm not discounting that. But when you're listening to it on the boombox and hanging out with your friends, it is just all over the place. And it's just not something that you want to literally listen to at that point. You just want to throw something that's a little bit more consistent. You want to throw in some ACDC. Because <laughs> you know what you're going to get. Um, but it, it's still a great album. I can't take that away from it. I love this album. It's, it's one of my favorites. All right. So that being said, which one are you going to pick as your as your top one? For me, it, it it goes all the way back to the warning. That that's going to be my favorite, my pick because there's 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 several layers to that first full length album that I heard from Queensrÿche. So there's that nostalgia effect that, that that's involved in there. Um, I I personally think as a as a structure, beginning to end, to me it's better because you have so much good stuff going in that the the lull that you get from before the storm and child of the fire are overcome by the good the good stuff that's you know that's on road to madness so you can get past that cuz the first side is so good so to me my 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 votes on the warning gotcha well we're definitely at odds this time because <laughs> <laughs> mine has to be rage for order i just love the the technical or the technological approach to it, I love the 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 lyrical content, the tracks like the warning, uh, deliverance, no sanctuary, take hold of the flame, uh, roads to madness. Uh, you know they're great, but something about walk in the shadows, I dream in infrared, the whisper, like every track. I had something that I really loved about it, except for maybe London. And and so, like, I like... It's funny to me, because I usually like the rawness. I've said this so many times when we've talked about these albums. I like the rawness of early albums from bands. But Queensryche is a little different, because they're one of those bands that they're always going to be slick in production. They're always going to have that aspect to them, because they're all such... Uh, aficionados in their instrument you know they're 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 so well versed in their instrument they're masters of what they're doing that i i like the slicker production on this album um and and that's also what was necessary for that technological feel so i think overall there's just more that i like here and the complexity that's here is just it it's mind-blowing so, we're definitely on the in, opposite end of the coin this time. Cool, I can respect that. You know, it's it's definitely one of these where, as as progressive as they both are, they're very different. Mm-hmm. You know, and you know you can see how you know the band has matured from album release to release to release because the EP was so raw. I mean, when you think about the EP, was they were they were they hadn't been together for that long. Mm-hmm. And Jeff wasn't even their singer, and you know they were they were a band that was doing like they had they had invited Jeff to be in the band, and he said no because he didn't want to be in a cover band. They were doing hard rock metal covers in nineteen eighty one, nineteen eighty two, you know, and then 
you know, someone mentioned, hey, or Jeff kind of said, no, I, I'd rather do originals. So they turned around and said, okay, let's let's write some originals. Now, Jeff wasn't part of that, and they came up with the EP. So then then they, they wanted another song for the EP so that Jeff and Chris came up with Lady War Black. So it it tells you how good they are because they weren't together for that long before they they just turned into this progressive band to 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 really go in that direction is just you all have to be on the same page everybody has to be on the same page mm-hmm. and those five guys and and for the most part four and now three and actually now two are all still together on that same page i mean scott's not playing with them right now but you know they they have three other guys that are all together so it's cool i really dig it so i respect the fact that you like uh rage for order i like that well cool that brings us to our final segment of the evening which is the big four and it's a big four queensryche songs i believe you went last week because of iron maiden so this week i get to go first um so my big queen my big four queensryche songs and this was tough. I could have thrown out like three honorable mentions if I needed to. <laughs> but we know we don't like to do that. So I had to choose. So my number four song is Queen of the Reich. That's the first song I've heard from this band. And the first visual I saw from this band. And I saw the, you know, they 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 show the band logo and it's just this really cool you know, in the video, they show the band logo, and it's this really, this really cool, um, just weird logo and this weird name, Queensrÿche. You know, and the song is Queen of the Reich. You know, and it's just it's so unusual, and the song was so fast and so cool in the vocals that it just sucked me in. I was I was hooked from the minute I saw that video. So that's my number four song. My number three song. I Don't Believe in Love from the Operation Mindcrime LP. Um, I I just really dig that song. There's, there's a lot to that song, and the, and the words are really deep on that. So I really, 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 really like that song. Number two, I mentioned it earlier in the, in the podcast, Take Hold of the Flame is my number two song. I love it. The, the upliftingness, it's, it was one of my favorite songs to sing when I was younger. I tried to sing it the other day and I butchered it and I almost didn't even want to keep singing because I felt embarrassed for myself. <laughs> singing in the car. <laughs> and my number one favorite big four Queensryche song is NM156. I love you, Todd Latore. Thank you. <laughs> All right. Well, mine's a little bit different from from yours because, um, you you know, my introduction to Queensrÿche was a bit different. Um, yes, I'm only a recent fan, and I'm more of a fan of the uh, Todd LaTorre era of the band. But I'm I'm gaining a respect for the the Jeff Tate years. Um, so my my number four is Arrow of Time off of Condition Human. Uh, I, it's the opening track of the album and it's one of the first that I heard and it really, it kind of pulled me into the band. So, um, I, I had to pick it because of its significance to me. Um, 
Number three is Take Hold of the Flame off of The Warning. Uh, It's a really powerful track, as we mentioned before. You said it's one of your favorites. I uh, I really like this this track and the album as a whole. My my number two is Walk in the Shadows off of Rage for Order. I mentioned before that it's one of my favorite songs off the album, but it's also one of my favorite Queensryche songs in general. Um, all the reasons we mentioned above, it's it's a great song. And my number one is Light Years off of The Verdict, which is their 2019 album. So I I really loving stuff off of, off their new material. Um, Light Years is is a really interesting track that has some really dissonant uh, timing and has a really cool hook, really cool uh, um, chorus. Uh, so if you haven't, again, if you haven't checked out some of the new stuff. Give it a try. Listen to this one if you like progressive metal. Um, it is an awesome track. I like Late Years. It's a pretty cool song. Um, I like your list. I mean, uh, I respect Arrow of Time. Um, Walk in the Shadows would have, was going to be one of my honorable mentions, by the way. So that was I, I kept going back and forth with that and Queen of the Reich and one other song. So I, I finally made a decision. I stuck to it. <laughs> nice. Cool. All right. Well wrap it up all right well that brings us to the end of today's episode remember if you liked what you heard today be sure to check us out on social media and leave us a comment make sure to tune in to the next episode when we spark up another exciting metal debate on behalf of kenneth dean and myself stay safe and remember always turn it up to 11 see ya